Hi, I'm Ross Porter, and welcome to Stranded, CDs for a Desert Island. Hands down, my favorite CD of all time would have to be Live at the Village Vanguard by Bill Evans. Well, for sure, Giant Steps by John Coltrane. Joni Mitchell. One would have to be the essential Billy Holiday. Duke Ellington. Kind of Blue. Sticky Fingers. Beatles. The Who. Todd Rundgren. Keith Jarrett. Oscar Peters. Dave Brubeck. Songs in the Key of Life. If you were marooned on a remote island with no prospect of returning home, which CDs would you want to have to help pass the time? For most music fans, it's a difficult question. But what if you're a musician? Hmm, the prospects could be even more challenging. This edition of Stranded CDs for a Desert Island is based on an interview that took place during the summer of 1998. Jane Bennett is one of Canada's busiest musicians. In the past few years, she has crisscrossed Europe, made music in Cuba, performed for sheep farmers in New Zealand, won a Juno Award, and was named number one by Downbeat Magazine in the talent-deserving wider recognition category. And along the way, Jane has found time to record several exceptional CDs. Hi, Jane. Hello. You look great. I love what you've done with your hair. <laughs> Thank you. That style really suits you. I shaved it, you know, for something different. <laughs> Look, every time we have, uh, that we've met or every time we've talked, I've been meaning to ask you, how many instruments do you play? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, play well or <laughs> play? <laughs> I, I mean, I like to toy around with lots of instruments, and I'm always, you know, collecting various, like horn players do, you know, they collect um, instruments from different places. and um, But... Seriously, <laughs> I play saxophones and flute, and I piano. I, I, you know, I like to to sit at the piano and noodle around, and and often that's where I sit to to compose too. So that's you know, it's not a whole lot of instruments, I guess. Now, before we start with your desert island picks, I'd like to play one of your pieces. This is Chamalongo. Lumbe, lumbe, lumbe. Jane Bennett and Chamalongo. Do you remember the first record you bought? My first record, period? Yep. <laughs> it's a funny story. One of the first records I ever bought was a Monkees record. And I came home with it. And I, you know, I was a typical kid that was being sort of brainwashed because it was on TV every day. And I bought this Monkees record. And my brother picked up the record, <laughs> took it off the turntable, and threw it across the, the yard. That was the end of it. So that was my first record, and then um, I don't know. I, I remember at one point, um, my father worked at Simpsons, and um, I was at the age where occasionally they would give me the Simpsons card to go shopping. And uh, a couple times, I I went shopping in the record department, and then it was really a department store. They had you know quite a huge selection, and I think in my first shopping spree, I. I bought like 30 records, <laughs> which promptly half of them went back to the store when my, my parents saw me bring this load of records into the house. Because when I did get into music, which was quite quite young, um, you know, I really did have eclectic taste. I, I loved rock and roll, and I think I bought a professor, that in that shopping spree, a Professor Longhair record, and I think I bought some The Birds, 
who I really liked, you know, and a bunch of Bob Dylan records and probably Joni Mitchell record and um, Led Zeppelin. And it's pretty diverse. It was very diverse, and I I don't know how it came about that I was only able to keep some of them. I guess my my father said, you cannot have all these records. This is, you know, a $300 bill or something outrageous, probably. Now, the the first CD that we're going to uh, play is by uh, Aretha Franklin, Mm -hmm. and this is from her album Amazing Grace. How did you find out about Aretha? We had Aretha Franklin records in the house because my my sister and my brother are both older than myself. Um, They both had Aretha Franklin records and my sister used to, you know, put Aretha Franklin on and work out dance routines and I used to sit on the couch and watch her. And But this particular record, the reason I, I picked out this particular record was this was a return for Aretha Franklin to the church in California, the church, her, her father's church. And she was a superstar. And it's very seldom that a, uh, superstars are allowed back into the gospel church to perform, you know, once they've sort of given up the so-called sacred music. And she obviously never gave it up, but still that's how I think a lot of the, you know, the more purist um, thinkers think uh, think about it. Anyway, she did come back to the church, and just the, the feeling throughout this record is just of incredible joy and power. I mean, I think her voice was is just unbelievable on this record and the spirit just you know comes through of of the the choir behind her and the the audience every single track just sends chills up my spine and this particular piece holy holy is very beautiful i think she actually plays piano on this particular cut Aretha Franklin, and that was Holy Holy from the uh, CD Amazing Grace. That is one of the uh, Desert Island picks of my guest tonight, Jane Bennett. Man, it's one of those records. I'm actually feeling teary right now just hearing it because it's just, it's one of those very unexplainable things. I know that music moves people in different ways, and that one just, oh, really, really hits me. Now, when that came out in the early 70s, you would have been a, a teenager. That's right. Mm-hmm. What what kind of teenager were you? Ooh. I was the kind of teenager that got thrown out of five schools. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. For what? Um, pent up energy and just not really knowing how to vent it, I guess. So what did you do? Uh, well, like I was just, you know, caused a lot of trouble and skipped school and, you know, played pool and you know just hung out at my friend's house it's amazing I actually got to grade 12 you know it took me quite quite a while and then I was I was lucky actually because um by the time I finished high school I could enter university as a mature student so (laughs) and I didn't have to strive for those straight A's you know to get into university (laughs) now were you dating at this point Ross so personal I hung out. I hung out in a pack. I had a. a, I was like a real. I loved, and I think you know that's one of the reasons I really love to be a jazz musician because I love the community vibe. You know that happens with being in a band and traveling on the road with with musicians that you're close to and playing music, and that's um, 
I didn't really have a boyfriend for a long time because I just had a number of guy friends, you know, a lot of guy friends and and uh, a couple of other uh, girlfriends that were, were thrown into the group. But generally, I sort of moved in a pack of guys because most of the guys were really into music more than, you know, the girls were. So, What's the uh, next piece of music you're going to play? The next piece of music is Don Pullen's piece. Um, this is from the New Beginnings CD on Blue Note. I had a chance to, uh, to play a lot with Don Pullen. He was a really close friend and um, an incredible um, musical mentor to me. I wanted to mention before we played it that Don died in, uh, in 1995. That's right. And really, unfortunately, when he was finally really hit it, you know, he was really starting to work and he had gotten, was just really starting to not be perceived as the person who bashed the hell out of the piano. You know, a lot of people just said Don Pullen was just an you know, avant-gardist and, you know, that he was just like, you know, playing all over the piano. But he had a very um, thought-out thought out method that was really rooted in, the, in rhythm and blues, but, you know, had elements of bebop in it. And it just makes me really sad because I think, like a lot of artists, was really uh, cut down, you know, very, very short in his career. Here's Don Pullen. This is from the album New Beginnings. Here's Janet's Delight. The CD is called The Essential Billy Holiday Carnegie Hall Concert, and that was uh, one of the picks by my guest, Jane Bennett. That was recorded back in uh, November of 1956. Now, for Billy, that was considered to be a uh, down period for her, wasn't it? Yeah, but that particular performance is so up. You know, I think when the situations were right for her, um, there was just incredible performances of, you know, real joyous swing and singing and a lot of people you know just look at the the tragic sort of quality in her voice which of course is really you know there deep deep um, feelings coming through in the music what is your next pick uh, the next uh, it's pretty eclectic but this is a piece that um i had a chance uh i saw it I think before I left for Paris in, in 90, a show on Alicia Del Rocha, who is a great um, uh, pianist from South America. And um, she was playing this particular piece on television, and it moved me. It, it was just beautiful. I'd never heard the piece before, believe it or not. And um, went out and bought the record. Um, and so this piece is called, it's Ravel, it's Piano Concerto in G, and it's conducted by Jean Martineau, um, it's the Orchestra de Paris.
That was Ravel's Piano Concerto in G, conducted by uh, Jean Martineau, and the uh, featured pianist on that was Aldo Ciccolini. Nice choice. He ain't no Oscar, but he swings. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you vacation, do you take an instrument with you? Always. You just never know. You know, you check into the hotel and you find out somebody's down in the lounge playing. And it could be a really great group. And just, I really hate to miss out on, on musical opportunities and a chance to to play, you know, with different people. I've just met so many great friends. And just by that simple circumstance of having my instrument, you know. The next piece? Roland Kirk. Russ on Roland Kirk. This is the inflated tear. One of the, the uh, true eccentrics. I mean, he yeah. died in 1977, mm -hmm. but a true eccentric in the world of jazz. I, yeah, I had an opportunity, um, I guess when I was about 17, 18, because my brother, I think, had told me to go see him um, at the Colonial, and I went to a matinee performance, and I think there was about five people in the place. This was a club in Toronto. Yeah, um, on Young Street, Colonial Tavern, famous for, you know, the greats passing through to play there. And I got a chance to see him, and it totally blew my head off. He was the supreme jazz musician because he, he swung, he was experimental, he could play any era of the music, of the jazz music. Now, his critics say that he was a bit of a, uh, of a showboater. When well, he I put just, all... that is just, you know, such BS. And because it's... he put all of those instruments, how many would he put in his mouth? Three, four. And, you know, you're talking about a, a performer, a musician, who had a stroke, who was paralyzed on one side, and still managed to go out and perform great music on a bandstand with one arm. You know, he, being blind, being black, being a jazz musician, what he was up against as a band leader, he just produced such incredible music and on every instrument, flute, saxophone, stretch, you know, every, everything, and wrote, and he's like a god to me, really. Let's have a uh, listen. This is Rassan Roland Kirk and the title track from an album that he did in the early part of the 70s. This is The Inflated Tear. If I can jump in, sorry, this is, he's playing three horns on this cut at the same time. Jane Bennett on flute, and that was Serenade to a Cuckoo from her CD, The Water is Wide. That goes back to uh, 1994. Jane is my guest. <laughs> Are you a, a multimedia kind of person? Like, hmm. Do you have a computer at home? Uh, I have a computer, but I don't, I don't work it very well. We just um, actually got it just a couple of months ago, and I'm, I really, you know, I'm, I'm, there's always something else I'd rather be doing. than. You know, I like to paint, and I like to... Um, I'm very interested in art, and that was really, I, I 
at one point was deciding if I was going to be an artist or be a musician, and it was a very difficult decision. I was at art school for a while before going back to music and deciding that's really what I wanted to do. Well, I'm glad you did. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Me too. Do so, you go to movies? Yeah, yeah. I love, I mean, I really love old movies. I can't stand, I can't think of many movies that I like right now that are being made, really, outside of the small, you know, film festival and independence. But um, I really, you know, I love um, film noir and I love, um, uh, I love the Marx Brothers. I can watch Marx Brothers a million times and, um, you know, I like, I like a lot of comedy and faulty towers and that kind of stuff. Now, do you buy many CDs? Starting to, it's hard to say, but, you know, when we went to France, it was a very, it was a strange time because it, I had, when you, this concept of the desert island, I had to kind of think of, of what it was like because when I, when I went to Paris, um, on a Canada Council grant to study with Steve Lacey, I it was, there was very few things I could take with me. I was leaving for a year. I was really only able to take maybe about 30 CDs with me. And then when I got to France, I couldn't, because I figured, oh, I'll just, you know, buy stuff there. And the CDs there were like, you know, 150, 175 francs. You're talking 30, 35, $40 for a CD. I bought like the box set of Ross on Roland Kurt. That's the only thing I bought when I was in France. And then when I, when I, a couple times when I was in New York, I went nuts, you know, at Towers. And then when I got back to Toronto, I was like going to HMV all the time and just, wow, to be able to buy a CD for $9.99 was like so great. So I really, having only just been back, you know, about a year now, I'm getting into to buying CDs. So your next CD is by Stevie Wonder. This is one that he made back in the 70s. I love this record, Songs in the Key of Life. I like every single song on the record. And I personally, I think it was the best record Stevie Wonder ever did. Um, you know, compositionally, the, the compositions were so thought out and interesting arrangements. And, you know, the fact that he played a number of the instruments himself and the concept of the record. I just think he, you know, is such a together musician, pop musician. There's not many pop musicians I respect, and I have a great deal of respect for, for him. And um, and I, I, I like the words of this piece, and, you know, it's funky and fun. And when I first got this record, a lot of the time I remember, you know, dancing with my friends to cuts on this record. So it, it, it triggers sort of an era for me, too, that was a great time in my life. Here's Stevie Wonder, and this is I Wish from Songs in the Key of Life. From 1976, Stevie Wonder, and I wish that's from his album Songs in the Key of Life. Jane, this has been nice. Mm-hmm. It's been a real pleasure. It was, it, it's, it's a wonderful idea. This stranded, especially if you, you know, if you really, really think about it, it makes you um, certainly analyze, uh, you know, your record collection and uh, some of the things that I had went to look for that I thought were Desert Island records I no longer had. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> Now, there were CDs that we didn't have time to play. 
And That's right. uh, I just uh, so these are other desert island picks of yours, and I just wanted to mention them: uh, Clifford Jordan's Glass Bead Games, Charlie Hayden and Hampton Hawes, yeah. As Long as There Is Music. Mm-hmm. The other is Court and Spark by Joni Mitchell, Keith mm-hmm. Jarrett's Fort Yawa, yeah. and uh, the last one was a, a Cuban singer. Mercedes Valdez, and this is a record that's, I think you can maybe get it in North America. It's called Ache 4, and it's a lovely, lovely record. All right. Good luck with everything. Thank you very much. And uh, I wanted to close with, with one of your other Desert Island picks, and it's, uh, I think it's kind of appropriate that we, uh, that we finish with this fellow. Yeah, John Coltrane. My favorite things, and I think um, probably most saxophone players would would pick pick this cut as being really one of the most um, amazing pieces that he ever did my favorite things being you know that corny cor- not corny it's a great piece from from the sound of music but this was recorded at, at the village vanguard and uh once again it's got a great great intensity and real joyous uh powerful impact let's go back to november of 1961 here's john coltrane and my favorite things Bye, Jane. You're listening to John Coltrane and a portion of My Favorite Things. Once again, Jane Bennett's picks were Amazing Grace by Aretha Franklin, New Beginnings by Don Pullen, the essential Billie Holiday Carnegie Hall concert, Ravel's Piano Concerto in G, connected by Jean Martino and the Orchestra de Paris. Rasan Roland Kirk's The Inflated Tear, Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder, and Alive at the Village Vanguard by John Coltrane. I'm Ross Porter. Hope you enjoyed the show.